0: If you have willing donors that are willing to give and they're like, hey, I want to send this Bitcoin to you. I want to send this, right? Like right. Ethereum over to you. Yeah. And you don't have the ability to do that. I mean, what a missed opportunity that is. So these are the kinds of infrastructure conversations um, that we should be having. Absolutely.
1: Now. Absolutely. Right? I'm Marissa DeSales and I'm your host for What If, a podcast exploring the nonprofit sector. The What If podcast is a series of conversations featuring speakers from the Impact Foundries What If conference taking place on February 8th and 10th, 2022. This is a space to dream and wonder and ask, what if? So we're back again with Neva Floor from the Sacramento Region Community Foundation. And Neva is kind enough to join us again to talk more about the future of philanthropy and and giving and exciting changes that we see on the horizon for ways of getting resources into communities that need them. I noticed recently in the foundation's newsletter uh, something called Impact Investing, and I was really interested in this idea. Can you talk a little bit about what this idea kind of consists of?
0: Yeah, we're seeing this sort of coming into philanthropy. I wouldn't say it's a new trend, but more more funders are starting to explore impact investing as a model, which essentially there are needs that many organizations confront in a given year. You know, sometimes it's to fix a leaky roof or to purchase a new van for their, you know, to help with part of their service, right? And so those resources, as we talked about before, 400 dollars, are not always easy to come by. Right, And so looking at mechanisms that can help with those sort of capital investments that can really build up the capacity of of local nonprofits is becoming an interesting opportunity that philanthropy is really becoming a part of as a solution partner. And so we're seeing models around this, of this in around the country. Often it involves, you know, a local CDFI. And essentially it's about, giving those organizations a low interest loan that can be repaid and then the money generated from that can then get folded back into the program and support another worthy organization who needs additional, you know, needs those resources. So, I mean, I think, you know, we're just in the very beginning stages, very nascent stages of exploring what that could look like for us. And we have a a committee that's working on that and I I think where we'll land will be really great. But it's an exciting model because, again, it recognizes sort of the ongoing needs of local nonprofits, and it also helps us to think about doing this work in terms of economies of scale, right? Because, mm. again, not all um, traditional philanthropy can support this kind of work, right. and we have to be sort of creative in how we leverage the relationships that we have, but also the the assets that we have to be able to, to support the longer-term capacity of local nonprofits. So I think it's an interesting model. I'd like to see more Philanthropy moving in that direction. You know, we have really strong partners in the region that are doing some of this work. But yeah, I think that's one opportunity that I'm hopeful that, you know, we're going to be able to lean into more as we're seeing other funders moving into that space.
1: I see there's some potential there for some equity gains, right? So uh, say a a small nonprofit run by a woman of color, for example, who traditionally might not, one, get, as we know, as much foundation funding, but two, might have difficulty accessing large-scale capital and credit at traditional banks and lenders, right? Just because, as we know, in the world we live in, a black woman <laughs> walking into a bank is going to potentially have a different experience than mm-hmm. uh, her you know white male counterpart asking for the same amount of funding. Mm-hmm. So this could theoretically give some folks access to capital that they might not traditionally you know there might have been some barriers.
0: And that's where the the partnership with you know philanthropy and the local CDFIs are really
1: I'm oh, sorry. Can
0: you explain what a CDFI is? I'm, yeah. I'm stupid. No, you know, it, it's basically <laughs> it's a lending institution, a lending entity. Entity. Um, it often can get you know federal dollars, grants to be able to to do low interest loans. Serves as an intermediary, right, between larger banks and local communities. And often they sort of function, again, as this um, liaise between community partners, just as you described, mm-hmm. who they're working with to help build, you know, do some financial literacy education, mm-hmm. you know, helping to get them loan ready, you know, making sure that they're aware of funding opportunities that are coming into the region. And so they really function as that partner, that financial partner, to make sure that those resources get out to those folks who may not necessarily have access to or um, these resources. Or, as you just named, you know, acknowledging the barriers that many folks, particularly folks of color, may confront when going after bank loans and things like that. So CDFIs are really important. And, and there are they're different models of them and how they show up in different places. But essentially, they are that sort of that bridge between local folks and, and financial resources. And that, along with philanthropy, can be a really powerful duo because similarly, foundations also have that local knowledge. Particularly local nonprofits, mm-hmm. and so we can also be best positioned to be able to, you know, help identify who kind of needs these kinds of supports, who are in positions to be able to leverage these dollars mm-hmm. in a more timely, in you know, efficient way. So I think there's a lot swirling around this. We see it in big philanthropy. We're starting to see smaller community foundations kind of weighing in on this, but it's still somewhat new. Uh, and I, I'd love to see. More discussion on it. I'd love to see m- more, you know, successful right. um, programs. Get launched because I think the more it happens, it's sort of like you know the more something works, the more folks want to do it, right? No, well, so, sure. <laughs> right? So, so I think once we get sort of a, a critical mass around like making this a, more of a strategy that that can be replicated and can be done um, more across all of philanthropy, I think it's it's better for everybody. And you're absolutely right; it does have an equity opportunity as well. And thinking about you know bridging those resources um, in a more uh, equitable way, so.
1: Right and then you know conversely it's a little uncomfortable to think about in a way because it honestly it fundamentally changes the nature of the relationship between a foundation and a nonprofit which has traditionally been a one way flow of money mm-hmm. to be honest mm-hmm. to that of a foundation potentially being you know basically being in a position of being a debtor mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's a little uncomfortable, right, <laughs> to think about just as a nonprofit. Like, oh, what does that
0: mean what does for that mean? us? How
1: does, hmm, what, hmm.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, that or it makes the relationship really clear. Well, yeah, Yeah, I mean, it's. I think it neutralizes I mean there is definitely a, a power differential there but it does neutralize some of the nuance that sometimes exists in in more traditional mm. philanthropy That's um, true. right I mean there's it's pretty much you know what's on the page and but what's baked into that again is trust right. and belief right mm-hmm. that the foundation believes that the organization will act in good faith and will you know pay back their loan and some models of this, Some of the return may go back to the shareholder. This is not typical in philanthropy, but within philanthropy, what makes it unique is that, you know, the revenue gets folded right back into the program. So it's reinvested in the community. Mm -hmm. And I think that's that's the piece that I think is really powerful Mm -hmm. and, and is different from what we might see in traditional sort of social impact investing. Right. Yeah. So
1: that's an interesting development. One to watch, for one, sure. to,
0: one to watch of, you know, I, am always super, super eager to see how other models can influence again, like how other models can influence the way that we do sort of our day to day business as usual. I mean, there's always some creative ideas flowing out there and, you know, the more that we can pilot and, and try these things out, right? I think the better off we'll be. And, I think so right? too. I yeah. mean,
1: you know, we, we have new challenges. We have to find new ways of meeting them.
0: Absolutely, absolutely, and I think it also speaks to a, a growing community of folks, particularly when we think about millennials. And you know, I, I'm, you know, I'm a elder millennial myself I think I barely made the cut I barely made the cut
1: oh you're talking to an ancient 10xer over here honey you ain't got nothing on me uh, uh, you my know, kid actually called me a boomer the other day I almost smacked him I was so, so offended look, that, listen what
0: I was doing too much
1: okay sheesh
0: you know, it's like I think about sort of this new generation of folks who are not just donors, but those who are who are moving into the social impact space. Mm -hmm. And the sort of mindset Mm -hmm. is shifting and that folks just don't want to give their money and not see the impact of where it's going. You know, they they want to do work for the social good. And so I think we're going to see a lot of folks looking at social impact investing as an opportunity to both, there's a double bottom line here, right? Like we can both help our communities and we can invest in sort of the future. And I think that kind of mindset shift is really interesting to watch. Mm -hmm. We're going to see that, you know, also as we're thinking about cultivating next-gen fund holders and right. donors, right. that the, the attitudes and the beliefs of our donors are shifting too. They
1: absolutely right? are.
0: And so how do we meet that need? How how are, being, are we being responsive to that? I was looking at some time ago uh, an article where an organization that was on the East Coast, essentially they had been doing their, they were doing their annual fundraising campaign. It was a consortium of teachers who every year does, they do fundraising to help Buy materials for in classroom, which is so sad that you know. I know, but so essentially they got the, at the into the ear of of someone who was all you know is into Bitcoin and crypto, or whatever, and they made this Bitcoin contribution, and it was it was a sort of a a day of fundraising. Anyway, they made this Bitcoin contribution, they met their their fundraising goal in one day, one day, and then people saw that, and and it just inspired people to just continue to give more and more and more. Right. And so to me, I was just like, okay, here's like modern, like, right. Right? Like, it's just an interesting. Yeah. W- it- it's an t- interesting time
1: to be alive, is it, It's an sure. interesting time to be alive. No, and I'm so glad you bring up crypto
0: because that was my
1: next thing, is this is happening. This is big. Nonprofits are not in any way positioned to take advantage of it other than there's like 20 nonprofits that are accepting crypto. And they're, you know, like the Red Cross and stuff. Like charity water, I think. I am... Obsessed and terrified by crypto, and I'm trying to teach myself what the heck it is and how nonprofits can get in on some of this fake money yeah. um, that you can actually pull out of the bank as real money, yeah. right? And I'm I'm especially interested in what nonprofits can do now and fund holders, no. fund makers. What kind of you know systems do we need to be thinking about creating and investing in now so we don't get left behind. There is so much digital fake money running around in the, Clouds and we none of it is raining down on nonprofits yeah. right now and I have a problem with that. Yeah. And that's not true. Some of it is. And and people are, I've seen people on crypto like, okay, when Shiba Inu gets to, <laughs> you know, point zero zero three seven five, I'm donating my whole holdings to this animal sanctuary. And then it does. Yeah. And they do. And they do. And it's real. Mm-hmm. And then I'm like, okay, um, I want all the Sacramento nonprofits to be getting a whole <laughs> bunch of that money, right? Mm-hmm. And it's not, you know, something I expect you to have a ready answer <laughs> for, but it's a question that is, uh-huh. it, if you want to know what's keeping me up at night, it's crypto, mm-hmm. it's NFTs, mm-hmm. it's how can nonprofits position ourselves to get in the space, yep. benefit from it, be yep. exposed, yep. have our missions and needs mm-hmm. exposed, exposed to our communities, yeah. en- enabling them to give to us yep. easily, yep. frequently, yep. you know, recurringly, yep. every kind of a lead, yep. right? Yep. Absolutely,
0: absolutely. That yeah, That's, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, I'm with you on that. I mean, I have a very peripheral relationship with crypto. I'm, I'm trying to understand it as well, but the core function behind that is like it's all about supply and demand, and it's like we're creating our own. We are essentially creating our own currency by virtue of people buying it. Right. So it's like that's similar to the way stocks are, how they have value or not value. It's like you generate something, interest around something, people buy it and then it inherently becomes valuable. Right. Right. That's kind of how crypto works. But to the extent that we are a part of those conversations and by we, I mean, you know, the sector, Mm -hmm. I think, is absolutely critical. And I think that's another thread that we can pull just around demystifying what we mean by, like, building up capacity to be able to, like, position ourselves into the future. I mean, that kind of tech, what's happening in the tech innovation space is absolutely critical to that conversation because you're right. If you have willing donors that are willing to give and they're like, hey, I want to send this Bitcoin to you. I want to send this, right, like Ethereum over to you. And you don't have the ability to do that. I mean, what a missed opportunity that is. So these are the kinds of infrastructure conversations um that we should be having absolutely now.
1: absolutely right? um, and yeah. i think particularly again along the arms of social justice and organizations yeah. trying to eliminate some of the historical disadvantages that mm-hmm. have been forced upon marginalized communities mm-hmm. the whole idea behind decentralizing mm-hmm. currency mm-hmm. and exchange um Holds incredible potential for people who have historically been marginalized mm-hmm. yeah. and left out. No. And so I think I'm going to keep d- diving into this, and yep. as I learn stuff, I mean, you know, maybe we'll uh, post some of it here on this podcast because I'd I love that. I, I feel like people need to
0: know. I'd, I don't I'd love know that. yet. So I I'm don't know either. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know either. But what you're right. We are starting to see a massive redistribution of wealth happening right in front of our eyes and who's at the seat of those tables is going to be important to know. And we should be there. And that's also what makes this conversation democratic is that we can be there. It's just it's about educating ourselves and kind of understanding where we fit and adapting. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think this last year, if anything, I mean, it's a little meta. Right. Mm -hmm. But it's like, oh, my gosh, if adapting was a tagline, for 2020, it just really, it forced us to just break open yeah. so many things right. about how we were doing business right. and even question ourselves, right? Absolutely. Like, in terms of everything. everything. Yeah, everything. So, I mean, I think about, you know, in conversations that we have with local leaders, the pandemic, again, from sort of mission of organizations to fundamentally how we need to deliver our services to are we living up to the best values that we set out for ourselves you know as an organization are we having the kind of impact that we want to have you know what, all of those things are the kinds of like big hairy audacious questions that so many leaders are asking themselves that, you know, again, it can be destabilizing and disorienting, Definitely. right? And um, it's difficult to wrestle with, and, and, and I have so much empathy for the leaders who are driving change through this time because you're not just thinking about yourselves, you're thinking about your team, you're thinking about, right? The communities that you serve, you're holding so much, and community members are holding so much, and so, Folks have had to make such difficult decisions um, in the last year and a half. And, and I just, I have deep, deep appreciation and gratitude for those who, despite all of this, are innovating. And one big thing that I know has come out, and maybe you and I have talked about this, is just recognizing the mental health, oh, right, yes. Of, yes. of our communities and just how vulnerable that is right right now. yes. So, um, we're starting to see shifts around that even in philanthropy, in addressing social and emotional mental health, you know, looking at particularly when we think about education and just how the whole education system just blew up and so the you know, just thinking about the longer term impacts of this pandemic and you know what that's going to look like for the region mm-hmm. and what ha- what it has meant for our local leaders as well, you know, the mental health of local leaders, I mean these are really big. Big issues and big work that people are taking on. So, these are all the kinds of things that are sort of front and center to a lot of conversations that we're having. And obviously, equity is, is front, and, front, front and center too, right? And right. I think what we saw in terms of what was happening in the, on the sort of proverbial main stage, mm-hmm. right, as we were all kind of looking at the historic inequity that so many people, particularly people of color, have lived through, mm-hmm. um, and having and to reckon to right, and continue through. to right. live through and reckon with that in right. real time. Right, and I think we talked about how different maybe Thanksgiving table conversations might look like. Right, right, right. <laughs> right? Moving forward, right. You know, I mean, family time can be challenging in and of itself. But imagine, <laughs> you know, um, having these kind of conversations come into those spaces, and to me. I always think about you know how much influence I have in my family and you know those are where those converse, hard conversations often happen. Right. So I think you know continuing to sort of think about what's all of our role in creating a more equitable future. What is all of our role in not perpetuating what we know, right? Is not to the good of our of our communities. That's the personal piece that I think we can all hold onto because some, sometimes I think when we talk about this in a much larger scale, the question is like, well, what can I do? You right. know, what, what? So, what does this mean for me? Sure. And that gets back to our conversation around like the power of individual giving. Like, we all have agency, right? And we can do our part um, in in creating a more healthy community, right? Where we all get to thrive, where we all get to live with dignity. And so, you know, these are the kinds of things that I know our front and center right now in philanthropy as we're thinking about the next frontier. Like, where do we go from here? Right.
1: So for this series, we have one, one question we ask every guest, and that's the what if question, right? So what if you could change one thing about the sector? Oh.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> or maybe just about the world.
0: <laughs> I don't know. What if you could change one thing? Oh, my goodness. Oh. Well, I, you know, I've into this to the little thing here. I know you're familiar with Edgar Villanueva oh, and all of the work he's doing. Absolutely. Right? It's super cool. And one of the things that he mentioned in his book was, you know, money is medicine. Mm-hmm. And he talked about looking at, you know, money as a tool of love and restoration. Right. And I thought that that is such a powerful reframing, yes. you know, of the way that we can approach, like, what resources look and feel like. And mm-hmm. resources are a tool, ultimately, of love and restoration. Like, right. we want to see our communities heal. We want to be healed. And if we sort of move with that mindset, I think as difficult as the road to getting there might be, we can see each other as humans as human beings, having a human experience, trying to do good things. And so I guess the what if would be, yeah, to reframe it as this is all about love. This is all about healing. This is all about restoration and not lose sight of our humanity and all of that.
1: Oh, Neva, it's such a joy to talk to you. (laughs) I could talk to you forever. Luckily, we're going to get to talk in depth at the What If Conference coming up here soon. And, you know, you have such a, a refreshing and unique viewpoint. And I just wanna appreciate you as a human being, in addition to you as a professional person doing the work that you do. It's my pleasure to get to chat with you. Thank you so much.
0: Thank you, Marissa. I really appreciate it, appreciate you.
1: This is a production of the Impact Foundry, Northern California's nonprofit resource center. If you like what you heard, please subscribe, share, and give us a thumbs up. Be sure to register for the What If Conference, taking place on February 8th and 10th, 2022. Available in person and virtually. Early bird registrations are available until December 31st. Register at whatifconference.org.